the only podcast not trapped in another castle. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. Welcome to the Exclamation Mark Podcast, the only podcast that is not trapped in another castle. My name is Crofton Steers. I am one of the two hosts of the show. I welcome you, all the listeners, international, coast to coast, what have you. You're all welcome. The one guy in Russia. The one guy in Russia. And the other guy in Canada with me. The uh, Wedge Antilles to my Luke Skywalker, if you will. Uh, Red Six, I'm talking about... Red Six to Red Leader. I'm talking about Bo Schwartz. Welcome, Bo. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Uh, Thank you, Crofton, for the warm, awesome Star Wars intro. Man, I keep thinking about Star Wars, too. It's funny. I Um, didn't make you Porkins. Is that bad? I don't... Porkins? I don't have a lot of uh, Star Wars credits. Oh, okay. ter- well, in terms he, of my knowledge, let's, let's just say he doesn't last long. But um, um, I have actually have a question, a small bit of conversation, unless you have something really pressing at the top no, of the show. No, go ahead. But you brought up Star Wars, and I was up late last night, writhing in bed, agonizing over this thought, which is... It's good you ended with the thought. The Force Awakens, and this is... If it's a mild spoiler, you may want to skip ahead a few minutes, but it's, I'm not revealing anything. There's stormtroopers in The Force Awakens. They're all... Whoa, hum- spoiler. They're all human, right? They're- yeah. Why are there no alien races that are stormtroopers? I mean, it's never explained. I'm sure somewhere it's explained, but it's not explained in the movies. And I thought it was interesting that The Force Awakens, the new army, doesn't have, like, not... like. Wouldn't they have expanded? Like, if you were building an army, like, why would you be that racist? It's racist. And they're the bad guys, so maybe they should be racist. But it feels like the galaxy doesn't really have... I don't know. It just feels like they take all kinds of believers as part of their ranks. But they're all freaking human, with some exceptions of people in high power. And the original original 456, like the Star Wars A New Hope and all that... Sort of makes sense because it's new and whatever. And the this is a, a credit to the prequels is that like that question never comes up because all the bad guys are like the Trade Federation, those weird aliens that walk with their hands. Like there's all kinds of races represented as be up to shenanigans in that, including the droid army. And the clone army makes sense because the most badass person in the world, Jango Fett, is is the progenitor of the clone army. So it, he just happens to be human. But for some reason, the future of this universe is still just human stormtroopers. Anyways, I was up late last night just being like, man, what's some some racist shit right there? Yeah, well, you know what? That's a lot of thought uh, for something (laughs) that was probably conceived in the original trilogy as humans because, A, it was cheap – uh, and in the uh, in the newer series, I think it's done because people have emotional attachments to the old stormtroopers and the way – so they've modernized them and ma- they've made them different. But they want them to still kind of all look uniform yeah. and the same, like, you know? They, what, 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 what's the race of beings that Jabba the Hutt is? 
Oh, jeez, dude. I don't right, know. Let's find some, but, like, but like his race, like there isn't one of his kind who's like, I just want to be a stormtrooper or gets kidnapped to become like, this awesome blob. That would be so <laughs> like, like it's just, he's wearing a, what is it, a Snuggie or something? Like it's just a blanket with like holes for the arms and a helmet. Like That would be awesome. Uh, yeah, there's. I'm thinking now of all these Star Wars aliens and, and if they were, uh, that was an extreme example, but there's a lot of them that would look ridiculous as stormtroopers. Aren't you a little small for a stormtrooper? Aren't you a little slug sized for a stormtrooper? <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's the end of that rant. Do with it what you will. Write into the show and tell us what you think about what I just said. If I'm stupid, I you know you know what like it it'd be interesting. There's a book about how the New Order or whatever rose to prominence or something along those lines. I'm not sure if it would you know clear up some of the details. It could be anything uh, to do with sort of romanticizing the Empire and wanting to be as much like the Empire as possible. Maybe they just. You know, want everything to look like the golden age of the empire. Yeah. Probably they're racist. Only humans. <laughs> that's, that's right. Screw other races in the galaxy, says. Spe- uh, speaking of only humans, the next segment of our show will only feature humans. Uh, it's, it's where we uh, talk about some of the news that grabbed us during the week in the world of video games. We call it readme.txt. Readme.txt. <laughs> What's it, what do you call that scream, Bo, at the end? Oh, it's the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, that's all over Star Wars, the Wilhelm scream. It's in, in, in uh, episode four, in A New Hope, I know, uh, whenever the stormtroopers either, either get shot or fall down some hole, that plays. Yeah, it's actually, and this is what I read, that Wilhelm scream is um, a, a joke between audio editors where, like, like... People don't really notice it that much, and so people were putting it, sampling it, and putting it other movies, and the tradition just kept on. Like, it's in every movie, dude. If there's a scream in a movie, an audio engineer has snuck that in, although now it's more of an archaic nod. I think more people know about it because of the internet. But yeah. predate the internet, and audio engineers are like, man, we're playing the world's biggest practical <laughs> joke. We're putting this fucking same sound effect in every movie, and nobody notices. Fuck the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are dirty bastards, so, those engineers. I really appreciate the story behind that scream and wanted to work it into the show, and we did. So, Bo, in the world of video games... Things are already ramping up. Like what we made it through the month of January here, and now a couple of big releases are starting. Uh, there's been a lot of games that are delayed every year. You know, in 2015, there's a bunch delayed to 2016. I definitely associate 2014 with the year of everything being delayed to 2015. Like there, sure. 2014 had almost nothing. Everything got shipped to the next year. So. Two of these games that uh, came out to rave reviews this week um, were both tentatively scheduled for previous years and are now just releasing in February. That's The Witness, Jonathan Blows The Witness, and XCOM 2. Um, and by XCOM 2, we're talking about Wait, like Jonathan, the seat to Jonathan XCOM. Jonathan Blow is the developer of The Witness, right? Yeah. Okay. 
And XCOM 2 is uh, the sequel to the remake XCOM Enemy Unknown and not this... Um, sorry. What is it? Yeah, XCOM Enemy Unknown and not XCOM UFO Defense. The one that I played as a kid, it's there's also a sequel to that I think called XCOM 2, but this is the this XCOM 2 is for the for the remake uh, and is PC exclusive. Um are you interested in either of those games, Bo? Um I okay, I wasn't interested in The Witness except it had a cool graphical style when I saw it in Steam. But I'm seeing a lot of people um, on Twitter, you know, that I follow, like, oh my god, I love The Witness, it's so much fun, come watch me play The Witness, Witness, Witness. So this has captured people's attention, and so I'm kind of curious about it now, but it still looks like a puzzle game, and I have a lot of games yet to play, I don't know, I don't know if this is going to be a high priority for me. See, what's funny is about The Witness is this guy, so this guy, he's only released one other game, Braid. Uh, on Xbox Live Arcade, I think it came out on PC. I'm not sure. I played it on Xbox Live Arcade. So it was very well received. It was, it was pretty much a one man show. He took all the money that he made in that game and he poured it into his next game, which is The Witness. But it's been quite a few years since Braid now, so he's really like worked on this for a long time. And uh, he was featured in indie game, the movie or whatever. And uh, a lot of people have strong opinions about him. You know, I guess him as a person or whatever. But um, you cannot fault how much like love and passion he has for the industry. So he puts out this game, uh, The Witness, and it's essentially a triple A puzzle game, which is like I can't remember like Portal. I guess that what's that one? Um, the Something Principle that that, that was on uh, the Stanley Parable. Well, maybe or the Ta- Stanley Talos, Parable. Talos Principle, I think. Dude, is that's it, Crytek. Talos Principle. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of other big name puzzle games that, that come out. Like it's it's not a well trodden genre, and this game kind of looks. The Witness looks a bit like Mist to me, um, but uh, IGN gave it ten out of ten, and it doesn't give those. Oh really? Uh, doesn't give those too often. Um, and so, yeah, that's, it's totally piqued my interest as well. And just as like sort of a video game appreciator, like I, I love a good power fantasy as much as the next guy. But like I feel like this is something different and that I owe it to my to myself to play it. Um, it's 40 bucks, which is a lot less than most new AAA releases are. But a lot but more than indie games, right? Yes, a lot more than indie games. Supposedly it has a lot of content. Um, and, uh, and so it it is interesting. It is in that weird space between those two. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited to, to, to try that game. Meanwhile, on the other end of the spectrum, you don't have something that's too different in the sense XCOM 2 is, is a strategic game. So it's like, it's a thinking man's game. You don't play XCOM to shoot dudes in the face, even though you do shoot dudes in the face. It's like it's much more of like I have seventy five percent chance to make this shot. Fuck! I still missed it. God damn this game! Uninstall. Yeah, it's it's a tactical turn based shooter for those who like the methodical combat scenarios, and it's a management sim. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this one is different because it well different in the in the sense that it presumes, which I think is funny, that you lost XCOM the first time. I like it. it and that so now aliens have taken over the world and you are in the resistance. Um, and I was tentative about that because there was a sequel to the original XCOM um, 
that was of similar – I forget. It was XCOM something or other. Anyway, it, it kind of sucked. And so I was a little worried that by getting away from the main tenets of XCOM, it was going to – it was going to be bad, but the reviews are really good, and I'm pretty excited about it. I'm also excited about the fact that it's PC only because I feel that um, not graphically because I looked at the screenies and it doesn't seem to be anything that the Xbox or the PlayStation can't do, but just like the potential uh, for for growth, maybe mods, different things. The fact that it's built from the ground up for PC is kind of cool. Well, it's my my opinion on it, and I don't know things but like they could like skyrim has mods on pc and then they developed a xbox uh, console version i think the main issue is that at the top down design when you know you're heading to console is that you've got to make the controls and interface work for both and when you don't have to if you just say it's a mouse and keyboard best played with mouse and keyboard that frees up i think like civilization i mean god who would play that on a console it's designed for a mouse, like you, you know. It's best played that way. But if they had to consider controllers, they'd have to think about the way not putting too many buttons in place because they've got to map all that to a controller with like nine buttons, you know. So, but don't you think that if you have like like they developed a pretty good system uh, for the previous consoles, and like if you plug in your Xbox controller for uh, the new one, don't you think it's going to work with the controller? Well, They'll I- probably have some sort of system. Maybe. I assume it's going to be jank, though. I, like, it doesn't mean that you couldn't do a controller thing, but I think it's a different beast when you design with it in mind versus you add That's support true. in it for later. You know, that's like... Because it impacts the initial design, I would say. Like, when you're thinking about what are the buttons and what are the things people do, you've got to plan that early, and then it flavors everything, I think. Like, if that makes... That's just... I'm talking out of my ass, but... No, no, no. But it makes as a, sense. as a tactical turn-based game, there might be things that can do that uh, controller limits it's the kind of game that i'm like i would never want to play with a controller just as a pc gamer so if they if most of their money was made on pc and because they had it they have sales to reflect on the xcom on the console version if they're like well 10 percent of our sales were console then why are we developing for console why let's just save us the trouble and not bother because you know yeah, no, it makes sense. It's funny. It segs pretty nicely into this next bit, which uh, um, because I've been playing this Star Citizen free fly event. Oh, I want to try it's, that. Yeah. So, so it's going on now. So, Star Citizen, we mentioned on the show before, Chris Roberts Kickstarter, uh, giant feature filled, crazy space simulation game. So they've made their for the next 5 days or something they have a free fly event where like if you haven't donated you haven't paid any money or whatever and you just want to try this and see what it is you can go in and see see what's there and i've sort of been confused with star citizen cuz they've really like the communication surrounding it has been um you know transparent but almost to an, in a negative way in the sense that they keep releasing things like features and stuff and it's just you end up being like unclear of what's actually in the game because now it's like alpha 2.12. And like what does that mean? Like what is in there? And uh, so I – you know, I, I downloaded it. It was like 27 gig download or something like that. Um, and then I started playing it. Uh, also, I got my fancy new PCs. I wanted to see the nice graphics and stuff uh, and it looked, it looked nice. 
Um, it's janky, which makes sense because it's an alpha. But uh, one thing that I, I noticed was I hadn't played a PC game in a while that had been like designed for the PC, like designed – I mean, and so Bo was just talking about the controllers, and it's funny because it works perfectly with the Xbox 360 controller, and I was actually choosing often to use the Xbox controller when I was walking around like hangers and stuff, because okay. um, you can you can use you can use it or whatever, uh, but but, uh, but like when you play the way it's meant to be played is most keyboard but the keyboard you're using like every single button imaginable and i'm like oh geez because you have to go to this menu to see the key bindings and i was like oh i wish i had like some sort of printout because it's just i would i would be i would be like okay okay i got my craft lined up here here we go and then I, then i'd hit a button i'm like okay so i i want to i want to go slightly faster let me just we hit this, and then I hit a button, and it'd be like landing gear disengaged <laughs> or whatever, or, or engaged, and I'd be like, oh no, 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 no! Uh, which button did that? And then I'd hit it again, and it would be like releasing flares, and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want flares. And then, then, then I'd be like, I just want to put the landing gear up because I can't go fast. And then I hit an, I, I'd hit another button, and then it would like pitch my whole ship 90 degrees or something like that. And I'm like, oh, no. And then the computer would be like, hey, your trajectory is going to lead you into that space station. I'm like, I know, I know. Back up, back up. It's like landing gear engaged. I'm like, no. <laughs> um, so the, 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 whole, the whole thing was uh, really complicated. It turns out I found out a, there's a tutorial hidden in there, and I, I managed to find it. And I was just doing it before we recorded the show. And trust me, it would have been really beneficial <laughs> for me to have found it earlier. Um, but it's clearly a game that, that benefits from being PC only, like in terms of every button imaginable they have on your keyboard. And if you were flying a spaceship, you'd probably use more than just four buttons, right? That's the fantasy of the space sim, is that like, you know, ships have all these knobs and switches, and even airplanes do now. Like, flying is not just a, so... You know, if that's your kind of thing, you do want the full range of the keyboard in your control scheme. I will say, Bo, it did make me excited for a VR because when you when you have like um, you tap Alt twice, you will go into free look mode, and then you can sort of look around your cockpit. And there's a lot of stuff they take full advantage of that, um, and I thought it was cool. Uh, but it will be really neat if you could just like. Be in free look mode all the time, which is what I, I'm assuming the new uh, E Valkyrie and, and Elite Dangerous and all that sort of stuff have already. But for me, I was just because it's very I would I was always alternating between free look and they have this they have this this maneuver like I was trying to learn how to fly I really suck, but uh, the mouse sensitivity I think was out of whack I'll have to fix that. But it was re- it was really funny. There's this there's if you hit caps lock when you're going so. It's, Say you're going real fast in one direction. If you hit caps lock, um, your ship will continue to go in that direction. But then you can pitch the whole thing and face the other direction while your ship is still flying. Oh, that is awesome. I I get what you mean. You're talking about like some fast and furious move. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. You 180, but you're reversing at the same speed. But now you can't see what's going on. You you have to know what's in front of you because now you're facing the other. So there's a guy on your ass. It sounds like a dog fighting move, basically. 
Yes, yeah, for sure. But anyway, they teach you it in the tutorial or whatever. Of course, I crashed into an asteroid. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no offense, Crofton, but I think you're gonna spend a long time sucking at that game. If you no, oh, for sure, I will. I I think like I actually have a, a joystick, like flight stick type thing. I'm, I I think I I dust dust it off for this because. Um, uh, it's just not like for me. It's just not worth it right right now. Maybe have, I'll talk about it a little. Learn how to use your flight stick. Yeah, <laughs> flight stick will make it better. The, how does this work? Yeah, <laughs> I just the natural pitch and whatever. And for a flight stick, for me, like that's again the VR element yeah. of having that headset and then like you know because your character on screen is holding a you know is holding a flight stick or whatever. So um, are the touches it, it, nice? Like the animations for that POV that you've seen? I know there's. I think you flip your helmet before you put it on when you get in the cockpit. I didn't notice that. I did notice that there was a lot of little touches that were really cool. Um, there's so the areas. I'll I'll just talk about what's available on the free uh, or, or or in the mode that I played. Is it so they they've got. Um, They've got a hanger, which I think was their first thing that was released. And uh, it, it's like – it literally is this empty hanger and you can walk around it. And any ships you bought or this free ship when you're cheap like me um, is available and you can go and sit in the cockpit. You literally cannot take off. You just can sit in the cockpit and be like, oh, this is what the cockpit looks like. I guess it's good for inspecting your ship if you bought a ship or whatever. So so the hangar is pretty much boring. So, so what do they give you, like a, a trash can with a rocket on it because you don't own anything? <laughs> don't, like... No, I don't know what the – it was like – because I ended up having the, the choice. I'm not sure what the name of the ship was in my hangar. Maybe it was a Hornet something class. There's a lot of ships, I think. But what I did end up doing was I left the hangar and there's like an elevator and then you can punch in like codes to teleport to like two – hub areas, if you will. Um, one of them is just like what I imagine a cityscape on a planet is. It looks like a more futuristic version of Blade Runner. There was a zillion other – it was other players were there. It was really funny because they all looked the same. Like they all have the same face or model. So it was like – I was like being in some weird clone world with like <laughs> everybody's your clone. But but it was fun to walk around. There was enough – like it was a big enough area. There was a bunch of stores. You couldn't really do anything in the stores obviously. But you could go in and see sort of how it was set up. And it did remind me a lot of games like from Chris Roberts, like Privateer or Wing Commander. Privateer in particular where you would go – you'd be on a planet and you would choose to go to different stores or whatever. And there would be a little graphic in the background and then you would navigate through the menu. Like it's total overkill for what you're actually going to do in these stores. Like you walk yeah. in into a store and you're just going to sell your scrap there yeah. but but they have like all this animation and crazy shit going on um and so it was that's one place this planet this coruscant type planet the other place was a space station and that space station is interesting because there's all these like hibernating rest pods you start in one and then you can go and you can order a ship and I had a choice of three, and then it's put on one of the landing pads. You can go out, you can get in it, and you can fly around. That's where I first learned uh, that I didn't know how to fly because I hadn't done any of the tutorial shit. The tutorial stuff is located in the menu. Uh, you have to go, and it, 
um, there was this uh, dogfighting module that was released at one point, and it's, it's all supposed to be like a sim, but I didn't even do any fighting against other players. Man, I can barely keep the ship in the air myself. So I just did the tutorial, and I was learning to fight against this drone, and there's this guy who taught who is – it was the most cinematic thing. He's like, get in, follow my moves, and taking off was a huge bitch. I almost crashed taking <laughs> off. And uh, but then you're in the air and it's it's like it's fun. I haven't played Elite and I haven't played uh, I haven't played one of these games for a long time, like since Freelancer or something. So I, I like them, but I don't have a lot of recent comparables. I do know I'm going to have to fool with a lot of the sensitivity because I was just hopeless out there. And you can so. even probably set your key bindings. I know that's sometimes a place I spend a lot of time, like an Elite Dangerous. Where I'm like, I don't know if I like this button for this thing. And the thing is, you need thing you know, to know two hours goes first. by with you fiddling with it. You need to know all the things first, though, right? Like, I don't even know what I can do. Like, that whole caps lock to go backwards while going yeah. forward thing. Like, I didn't know anything about that. And there's a bunch of others, like, there's a bunch of other things. And so, I mean, I'm going to, I'm probably going to play, tinker with it a bit more. Um, but at the same point, like I am a little disappointed with their approach of just releasing these like little trinkets. Um, I just want them to release a game. I don't know. Uh, even if they release it in three parts, say like, this is the first third of the game. This is the second third. This is the third third. That squadron 42 thing, which is their campaign supposed to come out soon. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just tired of, I I'm excited for it. It's fun. It gets me into it, but at the same time, I'm like, I like this is nothing. I'm not going to be here that long. I can tinker with some stuff. It's an alpha. Then I'll move on to some other game. And if if you don't release ever, then I'm going to lose interest and not come back. You know? Yeah. Well, that, that's the danger of what they're doing there. But I think that game is going to be forever in development. Hopefully, they release Squadron Forty Two. Eventually, that's a fighter game. They have more limited scope in terms of what they're developing for the free world, and so I think that all that stuff's going to get released piecemeal over its life cycle. If I'm oh, being honest. this is a funny story. I just thought of. So there's this game on Kickstarter called Ant Simulator. Okay, and it re- it was funny because I remember when I was a kid, there was a, a Maxis game Sim Ant or oh, whatever. Sim Ant was awesome. Yeah, I never played it, but it looked awesome. Anyway, these, this guy was like the spiritual successor, so he wanted to make this this thing called Ant Simulation. This is and this is where it gets hilarious. So he uh, he he then like I guess hired a couple of his buddies to work on this game with him. He raised a lot of money on Kickstarter, and he tried his best like to put this game out, but his buddies spent all the money on on booze and hookers. Oh God. Uh, and, or, or no, booze and dance, like, dance strippers. Wait, yeah. I'm, I'm looking up, because I have to know a little <laughs> bit more. I just found an article about it yeah, on booze Forbes. And, booze and strippers, yeah. So so, so he said, so anyway, the guy, the, the guy who did the Kickstarter now had to tell all the backers that, I'm sorry, I got no money and this is canceled because my meathead friend spent it on strippers and booze. So it was funny because I read this article and uh, in the comments below of the article, like there was this, the, this guy who had used the name, the handle Chris Roberts. And his comment, and his comment was, "So what you're saying is you can just apologize, and 
<laughs> and leave with all the money and nobody will ask questions? Interesting. Or whatever. And I laughed out loud at that. I was like, oh, Star Citizen, you'll never be released. I, I, um, I love those, like, because you see them on, on there sometimes. Like, I saw one Jon Snow was on there. and so It had nothing to do with the video with Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. But someone had referenced him, and then an account named Jon Snow with Jon Snow's picture like showed up and responded. Like, <laughs> he knows nothing. Uh, you know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> I just think it's yeah. funny that that's, that's out there. That's a thing on comment section that I find uh, is a positive force in commenting. People are being clever. No, for sure it's true. Anyway, uh, so Star, yeah, Star Citizen uh, free fly events going on now. You can check that out. The other event that was going on was the division uh, went into beta. I it, supposedly it was extended a day during due to popular demand. I I actually. Uh, of all the games we've mentioned, aside from Star Citizen, The Witness and XCOM, The Division is the one that I've kind of been the most excited about, about just because um, the first trailers I saw of that game, just, you know, the post-apocalyptic setting, the... Uh, the graphics, uh, the world, it looks so wicked, but my, my enthusiasm is being tempered by delay after delay. Yeah. And so now I'm not as, I'm not as keen on, on it anymore, although I will probably check it out, especially the reviews when it comes out and see if it's worth jumping into. But people seem to be uh, into the beta. Um, so that's a good sign. Like if there was due to popular demand, it was extended. Then, I mean, I feel like that means the game is probably half decent. Anyway, uh, it was uh, pretty heavily watched on Twitch for a while. So, did you see any of it? Um, yeah, it looked boring. <laughs> Are you sure? So about like two uh, seconds, and I'm like, Meh. I don't know, man. It seems like a game we could play together. It looks like fun. Like you go around as a team and stuff. You're exploring these dilapidated New York. I don't know. I, th- I think at a certain point, like they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to get me with the trial. I don't. It, it's not a game. Cause wasn't that at E3 when we talked about what they were showing at E3? They showed some of the division, right? Yeah, yeah they have a- drops too. Like there's legendary gear, or there's gear and stuff that I could see hooking you. Meanwhile, the immersiveness looks like it might hook me. I just see it as kind of like a best of both worlds type situation. To, to me, it's a game I'm gonna want to get a taste of before I put down whatever money they're asking for for this game because it'll cost a mint when it's released. Oh like, yeah, it'll cost. The, with the all the Canadian. other stuff coming, I think it's it's you know it, uh, a pass for me for now. But it could be my mind could be swayed. We, you know, I miss our planet side two days, bud. Well, now I have a PC; it can run it pretty well. Um, what's a game that you would be willing to buy day one, Bo? Um, well, I think it's going to be free to play, so I don't have to buy it. But um, Paragon, Paragon open beta sign up started, I think, last week, like a few days ago. Um, Remind go, me what that one is. Uh, it's this is the Unreal MOBA. So Unreal, makers of Gears of War, oh, yes, yes. have released. You know they released a trailer and now beta sign up started for Paragon, of which I signed up and I actually got an email today. I didn't get in. I've seen tweets about people getting in, but they sent me an email saying fill out the survey and you'll get for a chance to get into the beta. So I'm gonna have to fill that out. Wait, what? Thank you for what? Writing. Okay, so I got this email today. Oh, correct dates. Yeah, I have to fill out the survey by February 3rd. They sent an incorrect email today telling me to fill out the survey by January 27th. And it's like, well, dude. Anyways, that's not that interesting. But um, I'll be filling it out because 
you know, I do a show I guess... about MOBAs, and so, you know, I feel like when something interesting in the MOBA front comes up, it's useful to explore, but also it's Unreal doing, you know, with Unreal pedigree, doing Unreal things, and first-person shooters are not unique. I know Gearbox is coming up with Battleborn, but the Gearbox pedigree versus the Unreal pedigree, it's just no contest, so... I'm interested in what this is going to be. Does um, do, I guess they have non-disclosure, right? Like, so we don't even know the people who did get in. We don't know what they think of it yet, or anything like that. I think it might. I mean, it's not clear. I imagine it's NDA right now, but um, I, I think if it wasn't NDA, we'd be seeing it on Twitch. Which yeah, um, you know, yeah. What about what about? Uh, so you can't get that. What, is there any game that's coming out recently that you would get? Oh, Darkest Dungeon is on its way, or it's actually in full release. This game was in early access for a long time. Talked about it on the show. It, it was a recommendation. Um, this is a, an unforgiving roguelike game that's also kind of reminiscent of the four-player um, like uh, Dungeon Keeper. Not Dungeon Keeper. What's the classic game? You know, those first-person blocky like Eye of the Beholder and the old SSI. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Um, I, I like those there, games. There's a Dungeon Master, I think, is actually what it might have been called, like that old Amigo. No, I, I have the Beholders, the one yeah. I remember, and there was Ultima Underworld and all those. And Yeah, but so it's, but like it's not first person. It's like 2D graphics, kind of cel-shaded, really nice artistry. Um, and I've talked about it at length. You know, your guys go insane. If they're like Cthulhu-type monsters and things like that. Really very good, really very um, unforgiving, not heavy on the narrative, but there is a narrator that narrates the things that are happening in the game, and that voice actor is incredible. So, cool. Um, uh, like Bastion. Yeah, and in a true indie game fashion, right now it's 21 bucks. It's been on sale before, will probably be on sale again if it's not a full price buy for you. Um, it's a really great game. It's in full release. There's this new hero out, or one of the new types of system... Uh, types of characters you can pick i guess character class which is the um oh what is he called basically he gains power by going insane uh, an abomination that's what he is and like you'd be an abomination <laughs> that'd be your class that'd be my class like it's, he's in yeah. chains and rags yeah and like, i'd be a rogue and like there's no rogues you probably well there's highwaymen i'd be that um there's nothing traditional about this one of the warrior classes is a leper that'd <laughs> like, be mike <laughs> uh, you, but there's also grave robber and high there's high well maybe you'd like the highwaymen better yep yeah there's no rogues in this but they're roguelike but nothing is called fighter wizard like i love roguelikes the wizard classes are i think are called occultist and witch doctor and hmm. the clerics are like vestral like everything's got that sort of swanky old english feel to it and pretension anyways it's out pick it up buy it watch the trailer it's good um, yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up the news of the week. Let us move quickly into the games we are actually playing in games per minute. Bo? You always talk about making kids' minds like vegetables. Talk about them out in the street smoking pot. This is games per minute. How do you feel about cutting his head off? Awesome. I always feel awesome about cutting heads off. Uh, if only I knew of a good game in which you can cut off people's heads, Bo. Are you playing a game like that? Um, a game that I can cut off people's heads? 
Yes. Um, hmm. You can't really cut off anyone's heads in Diablo 3. I was thinking of Diablo 3 when I said it, though. I know, but there's no real head-severing decapitation mechanic. But See, that's th- why. you do, like, turn a lot of monsters into mush, a lot of great ragdoll effects. You, you get especially good feeling when the ragdoll hits the screen, like, it actually flies so hard, it, like, just hits the monitor. It's pretty cool. Sweet. Uh, but, yeah, uh, not much to say here. I mean, we've talked about Diablo before, that game that's been out forever that constantly puzzles Crofton as to why I keep playing it. Um <laughs> You Are know. you playing it again? Yeah, season five is out, and you know there's new items, there's new set dungeons, new features. You Do start you have to back pay from money for that. No, it's a it's an always online game, but you buy the box and the expansion. Um, Those but, are the only two purchases, and then when there's a new season, you automatically get it. Yeah, there's no other no other microtrans or anything like that, and. Um, so season five comes out, and I rolled a monk and just had a lot of fun. And so I, I sort of binged on that for a few days, as is the Diablo way. I've got I'm on the so there's um <laughs> there's now fourteen levels of difficulty, so torment ten being the highest. I have <laughs> torment ten on farm, so I can just do that content and get gear. And I've gotten as high as like greater rift level sixty, which is about fifteen notches above the highest difficulty level. And right now on the leaderboard, the highest is eighty one. I don't think I'm going for the leaderboard, but it's that's the gameplay is to just try and do harder and harder at that, and harder. At that level, do you just die with one shot? Pretty much. So you've got to really be tactical about some of your defensive cooldowns, like uh, special abilities and the types of gear you pick. So I could get really detailed about how I'm doing it. Although if you're a Diablo player, you probably know what I mean when I'm just I'm saying I'm using like an Innis uh, Temperance set for my monk. It's probably pretty standard stuff with all kinds of Mystic allies um, and the Desert Shroud rune in epiphany by the way monk has an ability called epiphany it's just the coolest ability name ever because it's like you push a button and you have a great idea you have a great realization about the truth of the world um oh man i think i i'd be curious like to see a chart of all the games that Bo has played in his life and the amount of times that he's played each game because i feel like diablo 3 may be the top all time like i think it might be too actually like, I was thinking about it, like, because, I mean, it, if it's not that, it's another Blizzard game. But, like, I, I know you've put in the mileage on Diablo, yeah. uh, Diablo 3. It's a game so that it, keeps, give, keeps on giving every season. So, is that all you've been playing? Uh, no, I also tried out the, this game called Fractured Space. It is, like Star Citizen, a space game, but it's actually third-person view of a ship, and it's a MOBA. Sounds another weird. MOBA. But, I've never heard of this one. <laughs> but um, it's still in development, early access. Uh, but it was a free weekend, and because I played on the free weekend, I own it now. So I, um, if you didn't play on the free weekend, you have to buy in to, to play it. But I get to play it in perpetuity because the long-term goal is that it's a free-to-play game with microtransactions. Huh. Um, so Good? They, bad? Um, it's all right. Like A lot of potential here. I, I didn't really play PvP. I just got through the training mission, but I wanted to make sure I got owned it because it's interesting. Basically, you pay, play like a heavy capital ship. It's not like dogfighters. It's like you have yeah. like 18 billion guns. You play like Battlestar Galactica. You are Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, but it has the, it has jan- like the ships are, are janky. They're not, um, they're not sleek and like, you know, 
this, certain designs might be like, oh, these are fast, crazy ships, or like Mass Effect ships look alien. These yeah, are like, the battle the Battlestar Galactic example still stands because it was like going into a museum. I'm a nerd. It was going into a museum, <laughs> but they put it out into anyway. It's it's an okay, old piece okay. Of like the Battlestar Galactic, and not so much maybe like the Cylon technology, um, but. It's fun. Like you fire, you know, you're like you have these missiles, you have all these abilities on your ability bar same as MOBAs. It's very it's like Eve Online without all the spreadsheet and knowledge you have to do to experience the upper echelons of what that experience is. It's like a 20 minute <laughs> game, you can log in, pick a ship, go. Even Star Citizen, you have to learn how to fly it and all this crap. Oh yeah. This is very easy. That whole three that whole freedom of space movement is not an issue cuz you just sort of fly flat and you can move up or down but you still feel like your orientation in space is like regular. And the focus is on firing missiles at enemy capital ships. And when those ships shoot you, you know, uh, do activating your point events to shoot the rockets out of the sky. And there are different ship types. So faster, more damaging ships versus slower, tankier ships. So it has like a MOBA sensibility, but it's a space. It's really unique. And so I really like this also because the way gaming is, I don't have to invest 80 hours in learning Elite Dangerous before I can do anything that is awesome. So. I bet you I bet you Chris Roberts will see it and be like, hmm, that made a good new feature capital <laughs> ships, eh? Good new feature for Star Citizen. Let's de- delay it for three more years and, and work on it. Sure. God damn you, Roberts. Anyways, that's Fractured Space. Um, I played Heroes of the Storm, obviously. As same old, same old there. Uh, what my thoughts on it on core the heroes of the storm show we're doing we are doing core concepts which is a strategy section so check it out if you're interested cool. I'm not gonna spend so much time here the last thing is I discovered a brand new television show on the sci-fi network it's called the expanse oh I think I heard of the show it is it is good it's only like eight episodes in but it is really good it's got Thomas Jane as a detective on a space station the series space station and he's born, he's a belter. He was born and raised in space stations. And, like, it's this cool sort of hard sci-fi that is flavors of Mass Effect as a TV show. But it's not a, like, it's based on books. It's not a copy of Mass Effect. It's its own unique universe. Is, I, oh, it's not based on books? It is based on books. Like, these are oh. books, you, there's, like, I think five or six. So, you know, this is another sci-fi Game of Thrones deal, except nothing like Game of Thrones. But it is, like, hard sci-fi, where it's, like, you have Earth ruled by the UN and Earth has control of the 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 outer stations like Ceres and the the Kite Kelper Belt Kuiper, I don't know like there's all kinds of space stations out there that mine things and bring it back to Earth but also the mining provides resources for the stations like water water is more precious than gold on a space station um, then there's Mars who've disassociated themselves from Earth like and they're like this big military power but they, they still haven't terraformed Mars. It's like all domes and shit on Mars. But they like hate Earthlings. And they're trying to fight for control over the resources in the belt. And meanwhile, belters are kind of like the Irish of space. Like, they're not Irish, but like they have their own lingo, their own culture. It's really, really freaking good. And uh, so... How are the special effects? They're decent, actually. I, I would say um, the one weird thing, and I hate when shows do this, is that they use a lot of contemporary music which what else are they going to do but i always hate hearing weird songs from like um you know like current music like a little bit too much of that but it's forgivable 
Um, the special effects are good for a television show, so but it, there's no aliens or any shit like that. It's all just spaceships. Yeah, um, but space is tough. A lot of great cameos from big actors in it, too. Like I said, Thomas Jane's really awesome, but uh, they got an actor from Mad Men who plays one of the, the Belter guys, and um, uh, uh, Mike Ehrmantraut, Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad, has a cameo in it. Like, There's a lot of people that <laughs> pop up in the show. And it's super good. It is super good. I seriously, I haven't been this stoked about a sci-fi series since Battlestar Galactica. I think it's going to be better, probably, in the long run than Battlestar Galactica even. So, cool. Um, really good. Where can really you really watch good. it? On sci-fi. I think it's airing on sci-fi, so that's where you have to get it. Oh, I see. Yeah. I don't have TV, so I could never watch it. Uh, well, you know, tell, at some point, I'm sure me. it'll be on streaming, or you probably can get it on iTunes. You know, There, there are iTunes. places in the world to find... This kind of content, it, it's really good. I think he's nudge, nudge, wink, winking at the audience. Um, okay, so back to video games. So I mentioned Star Citizen Alpha, blah, blah, blah. I played it. I'm going to probably have more impressions of it in the future. Sure. Uh, speaking of sort of alpha type stuff, even though it wasn't an alpha, Metal Gear Online, which is the, uh, the sort of um, – other than that base – capture thing in Metal Gear Solid The Phantom Pain. There's also a whole like, you access it from a different menu type thing to go into Metal Gear Online. It was yeah. released later and it, it's much more of like a traditional kind of death match with Metal Gear elements. I played a bit of that. Um, it was fun. Like, I always judged those things based on how, how quick I die. Because like, if I started up playing Call of Duty right now, I would just get fucking destroyed to the point that I would rage quit. I know I would. Whereas Metal Gear Online, I was actually killing dudes. Uh, and I felt like I was obviously getting smoked a lot more than I was uh, beating people. But at the same point, I didn't feel like I couldn't do anything. Right. And the, the gameplay, uh, you're playing in, in areas that you know maybe from the single player game. So I already had a certain knowledge of maps and all that, which is all, all obviously beneficial and of game mechanics so i had a kind of good time i see it's gotten kind of bad press um i mean it's not as good as the main game what do you want i didn't i haven't spent that much time on it so i guess that's telling what i have spent a lot of time or some time on is the order 1866 Mm. but were you familiar with this i remember a lot of hype surrounding it it's uh sort of a steampunky very visual game um, that it was notoriously short. I know I was interested in it, but as someone who doesn't own a console, I guess it passed me by. But uh, seems like uh, sounds like you've um, you know stopped by to check out its wares. Well, here's here's the thing. It, you're right. Everything you said is more or less true. Um, it got it came out last January, so January 2015. Oh wow, yeah, that is, it, it, that is a while ago. It's a while ago, but a year is sort of a good time to sort of. To step back and take a look at, might have been beginning of February. It might have been right about now. Anyway, um, it's a year after a release of a game is a good time to step back, take a look at it, and be like, okay, how did this go? Like, how was this received? Was it received fairly? How how how, did, how does it look after a year in the rear view? Now I'm only playing it now, and I got it for. Ten dollars, which is not much money, oh, wow. incidentally. That's, yeah, that's like, I, yeah, I bought it on sale on the PlayStation Network over the Christmas break. It was a bunch of games, with a bunch of games, and so the the first the 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 two things people will tell you about the Order eighteen sixty six is one, 
It has nice graphics. And two, that it's very short. That those are the two things that everybody says. In the reviews, they'll be like, we have to tell you the graphics are really nice and that it it is short. So I don't know what I expected from playing playing the game, but I expected it to be like there's a lot of six on tens, like um even some lower there was the occasional higher but i really didn't i didn't really have that that high expectations needless to say i have been very pleasantly surprised uh the game to say the game has nice graphics is is a grand understatement in the sense that it has nicer graphics like i just i played Star Citizen on on high graphics, and then I'm playing the Order of 1866. Now it's not a fair comparison, okay? It's not a fair for many reasons. Uh, one is a giant open world space game. The other is a tightly scripted action game with less assets and all that sort of stuff. But man, it looks better than I think. I I don't think I've ever seen a, be, a better graphics in a video game. Like, and yeah, it's like yeah. I have a good computer. I'm playing Metal Gear Solid Five. Which was in game of the year contention last year on pumped up graphics on my computer PC version, and and next to the order it looks like ass. Like I mean, like the the order is ridiculously good graphics. So there is that to say. It does have nice graphics, crazy good, and two, the production values are insane. Like like everything from. Um, the animation to the voice acting to the sound editing to the script to to all, like all of it is it even the creative behind it is 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 super impressive. Like now I haven't finished the game, which is which is funny because like everybody's like, oh, it's so short. I'm like, I have yet to finish the game. Now I've only played it. I played it three times, but each time I sat down for like almost two hours or whatever. Well, uh, longer than than I mean to. And uh, I've I've gone ahead on the internet and searched like number of chapters in the order eighteen sixty six just to see like maybe I'm near the end or whatever. But no, I I'm still like according there's sixteen chapters and I'm on chapter nine or whatever. Um, and uh, some of them are really short, whatever. Some of them are super long or longer. So it's not that short. That honestly, like I mean, it's short. I'm sure, like compared to. Metal Gear Solid Five or The Witcher Three, yeah, okay, fine, it's short. But like, I keep thinking, Bo, when I'm playing this game of two games, Gears of War and um, and The Last of Us, and I think mm-hmm. of Gears of War, and both of those games got amazing reviews when they came out, and Gears of War in particular was. It came out near the beginning of the Xbox 360's life cycle. It sold itself really on graphics. Like these were crazy graphics at the time. When I remember playing Gears for the first time, being like, "Holy shit!" Um, and and it was a cover-based shooter. Um, and it introduced like there was the active reload, and there was a bunch of other mechanics. It really pushed that forward. But like that, it was not a long game. Like it was not that long. Like you play the campaign. Like you could. People could come over. You could play the the campaign in like two or three sittings. You know, it's like it's not. It wasn't that long. And no. the uh, next gears were longer. Like, do you remember gears being a long campaign? No, it wasn't long, but like no. it felt a little bit like the encounters in it. Like part of the way that gameplay worked out is that the you know if you took your time with the game, it sort of stretched it out. If that makes sense. 
Yeah. Oh, and that's exactly as well. And also how often you died. Now, the first thing I did when I put played the order 1866 was I cranked the difficulty to hard because there's certain games you want to play hard on hard and there's certain games you want to play on, on lower difficulties. And I knew this game was supposed to be short. I wanted it to last. I'm like, I'm probably only going to play it once. Might as well play it on hard. That was a good choice because it's not even that hard. Like it's not, uh, it's not that difficult at all, but it, it I die. Like, yeah. so it, it, and it would have been really a cakewalk, I think, on less than hard. So the graphics and and the story are so because like compared to Gears, the Order has a way better story, way better script, way better characters, all that sort of stuff. The Order is it's it's much more of an adult professional game. The fact that it exists and people are are just fixating on the game length when everything about this game screams quality is ridiculous. Now. Okay, the cover the cover gameplay mechanic is is played out a bit, and their their innovations, if you will, are like you you build up a meter, and if you hit a button at one point, your guy will go into like wild west mode with his pistol and like bullet time, and he can shoot like four guys pretty quickly. And um, all all the knights of the round table, of which you're one, have drunk of the holy grail, and their blood is be is they, they they drink they have these little vials around their neck of black blood, and so when you when you get taken down, you know how how in gears like you drag yourself along the ground. Well, the same is true here. Like you're dragging yourself along the ground, and then they give you maybe five long seconds of like where you can't res yourself and at that point if an enemy shoots you while you're dragging yourself on the ground you will be dead dead okay. but so you, you you sort of like get into cover and then then it'll prompt you to drink from this vial and then once you drink from it you have to tap the x button and then your guy gets up and then you immediately want to get back into cover so that's the other sort of aside from the the, the regular cover shooting it's like they've got the wild west thing and they've got the sort of res Thing. But aside from that, it's a plain vanilla shooter, right. uh, third-person cover shooter. Um, but but it's 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 good. Like every environment is super well crafted. Like again, I don't want to harp on the graphics over and over, but the sense of immersion. Like you don't need to build a full open world. Like Assassin's Creed Syndicate came out in Victorian London last year. I haven't played that yet, but I mean, like yes, you're going to create a certain atmosphere because your guy can go anywhere. But like nobody in Victorian London were scaling up the side of a building and running around the roofs and swinging on things like yeah. you're not going to feel like you're in Victorian London. And this is this is this game has a bunch of things like supernatural elements, werewolves, vampires, um, Nikola Tesla's designing your weaponry. It's all ridiculous, crazy <laughs> shit. Um, it, it sounds cool. So, sounds cool. Yeah. It is cool. It is cool for sure. But like your guy is not like he can do stuff like there's some athletic things that he does. But for the most part, a lot is scripted. It's about an experience. And in that way, The Last of Us um, jumps to mind where in The Last of Us, the intro to that game, the prologue, before you get into the main game in particular, is super tightly scripted. Like you can't do shit. Um, you pretty much are going through the motions. You got to do, you know, quick time event here to break the glass of a, uh, of the car to get out of it. You can pick up your daughter. You got to walk here, but you can't. You know, they're, they're putting you on a course in The Last of Us in the intro, but it's super emotionally powerful and it ends really powerfully. And there is something to be said for those experiences. And the the um, the Order eighteen sixty six has a lot of those like 
tightly scripted moments. And I understand that video game purists would be upset by that because they would be like, well, I don't have control. I can't do everything here. But like in Telltale games, essentially you you make choices, but you don't have much control. This is one of those situations, again, sometimes, and then other times you're in shootouts where you have a lot of control. So, I mean, I feel like this game really got short shaft, and I haven't finished... Uh, short shift rather and I haven't finished the um, the game so it could turn to shit at the end totally okay. possible okay. but everything so far to me is like is this is a good game and I feel badly that people think of it now like oh that's the short game that's the kind of that short game right like that's what it's known for and it's not even that short like I thought I would be done by now you know so it's kind of like it's the game press really went to town on this game and i feel bad for it and game press um, and also just the youtube generation because like you know some people play those games and they just zip through them like there are different types of game players when it comes to these narrative experiences especially where like yeah if that, if that game doesn't offer replayability in the form of some kind of content they like zip through it and they're like they're done it's so short um, well, what's fu- what's funny about that, Bo, is that I I like I understand that because there's very little uh, in terms of collectibles as well in this game, but but um, but when I was like when the original Xbox came out, I got this game called uh, Dead to Rights. It was a it was an Xbox exclusive. It's just, you play this cop. He's got a dog. Um, and uh, and pretty much it's an action movie. And that it had a kind of at the time what I thought was a good story compared to the order it's garbage but but it was like it's like you know corruption and the cops gotta go and take down all these guys and like there's a lot of gameplay and there's a lot of like the shooting mechanics were max pain inspired bullet time you could send your dog for instant kills or pick up weapons they even remade it or or made a, a version of it on xbox 360 i think um but uh but that to me that game at the time when I played it, I I wanted a game to rent for the weekend. Like my wife was in Boston at the time, um, I just was like, I want a game. I'm gonna play this weekend and and have fun doing it. And that was that game. And for me, the Order 1866 is is the spirit of that game, the type of game that you can be like, I have Saturday, Friday and Saturday night free this weekend. I want to play a game. Yes, it's not going to be like hundreds and hundreds of hours. I'm like losing interest in Metal Gear Solid Five. It's petering its way out, yeah. and 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 yeah, maybe you don't want to pay, spend seventy dollars on the Order eighteen sixty six. Maybe you wait till it's on sale. But honest to God, like the way people were have treated this game, I feel sad because I know it's not going to get it. Like I think it's unlikely to get a sequel. And uh, I feel like it has all the makings of like when you look at Gears 1 and then you look at Gears 2 and Gears 3, when they introduce Horde mode, they introduce all these crazy things. What is there in Gears 1? There's nothing. You can play the campaign on Insane and collect dog tags. And I think there was some small deathmatch multiplayer mode, but there's really nothing compared to like the sequels that build on them. And the Order is never going to get that chance, I don't think so. Well, that's unfortunate, but at the same yeah, it's sad to hear. It's just it's just funny because like 
before playing, I was always tempted because it is, again, it is one of those like sort of male power fantasies where you're like this big alpha male, Alec Gears of War or whatever. Where And I'm always tempted to those sort of that escapism entertainment. And there was the sci-fi and the Victorian element. All of that was appealing. So when the, when the reviews came out and they weren't great, I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll wait till it goes on sale. But I kept checking the sale prices. So I knew I had an acute interest, but I expected to be disappointed when I started it up and i really i i really have uh have not been and it was it's been really involving and like yeah it's not there are flaws with the game and if you if you look at games um that emulate movies this is one that's clearly emulating movies too much like it's too much of a cinematic experience and therefore the gameplay side of the the coin is kind of short uh short changed but I mean, I think every once in a while, a game is worth it, for, even if it's unbalanced in that way. Something that's too gamey can be can be good. Something that's too cinematic can be good. And I think this one, this one is like when I'm playing this game sometimes graphically, and I don't want to, I don't want to gush over the graphics too much. When I'm playing it, sometimes it's like I think about these cutscenes in games like Final Fantasy X that I that I um that I would play the, the game and every once in a while there would be a cutscene. And I remember going over to our friend Mike's place and like he would he would have these cutscenes saved and he's like, check out the graphics, man, in these cutscenes. And all they were was like pre-rendered sequences, right? Like they're, it's like going to see Toy Story or something. I mean, it's a pre-rendered video. But like you're watching these cutscenes in the order and you're like, holy shit, these are amazing graphics. If, and then it just... Suddenly you're like, wait, I can control the dude now because they always keep it letterboxed at all times. So you never really know when the cutscene's over. Yeah. Actually, the letterboxing's kind of annoying. But but then you're you're walking around and you're like, holy crap! It's like I'm controlling a CG cutscene. I mean, I it's crazy. So like graphically, it's just out of this world. So does it get a recommend from you at all for for people it, at ten bucks? Well, the, the thing is, yeah, yes, it does um, as at sale price, but I haven't finished the game yet. And before I make it my recommend of, of the show, I want to I want to finish it first. So, uh, all right, well, let's keep the conversation going, and because we can streamline this right into this week's dialogue tree. You get, Sweet, you groovy. Yes. Right. Oh, you dig. Now that there's one fine dialogue tree. Yeah, it's a fine dialogue tree with some fine ash bark. Uh, See, to... I, I pre-selected <laughs> this, this week's topic based based on the order. Honestly, like I, because I started thinking to myself, I was like, "Geez, what is the point where?" And this is a conversation a lot of people had before. What is the point where where um, length? is a deal breaker. It's like how little is too little and and, and consequence, consequently, how much is too much? Um, <laughs> it sounds like a conversation. No jokes. It no sounds like a conversation jokes. for the That's What She Said podcast. You know that podcast? I, I literally <laughs> put that in the show notes. I said no penis jokes. You that did, was but I could help. It. <laughs> you son of a bitch! Because you, you know, I, I didn't say I didn't say that's what she said. That's what she said. Podcast. 
That's yeah, true. You did it in as clever a way as I can give you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, like, I guess and, – and I showed my hand a little bit where I'm sort of, like, losing interest in Metal Gear Solid. And mm-hmm. uh, I know that there's still tons of content, tons of stuff to explore. And I just – I'm just, like – I just am losing interest in it. And then there. Meanwhile, the order I'm super into, and I know it's going to end, and I'm still going to be into it and be like, "Oh, I wish there was more order," you well, know. So like, I have a few, I, I have a few games in the front of my mind that, that like which yeah go so which so I got to talk about two. So I'm going to talk about one, but don't stop me until I talk about both. Um, full price game like sixty seventy bucks. I think it was like Call of Duty Two Modern Warfare way back. That campaign was like ten hours. I was pissed. I didn't walk into it kind of like I think I had played some of the original Call of Duties and those had like what felt like a reasonable amount of campaign in it. Maybe my memory was off. I I still feel like that's the case. But Modern Warfare 2 was literally like eight hours. Like I played it in the evening. I was done. I had no reason to play it again. I was like, what is this game? And it took me a little while to realize just how invested in multiplayer they were. And this is old news now. But at the time, 80 bucks for that shit mad so mad now would it, would it, it wouldn't have been 80 bucks for modern warfare 60 to 70 like whatever the full price tag was at yeah, that 60 time bucks given maybe. the adjusted dollar value and current prices with inflation it'd be probably be an, an 80 dollar title um the other one was that was short but awesome was the banner saga which i've recommended on the show and it wasn't short, short, but it was way shorter than I wanted it to be. I felt like I was just getting steamed up and loving this game, and then all the beautiful art came to an end. And yes, it's called the Banner Saga, and it is Volume One. Um, so I, I still felt like it was too short. Paid like twenty bucks for it, I think, or something. But I didn't feel ripped. I, didn't, I was like, I thought about it, and I'm like, no, I, I might play it again. And if I don't, I still didn't feel like I was ripped off. And I think there's like. It's hard to quantify what value is in terms of gaming, but I think there's an hours played, you know, per cost per hour of game that the game gets more and more value the longer that you play it. Except, you know, a lot of these AAA games bloat that content assuming their fans will want to do it, but honestly, some of that stuff, like achievements are... Things tied to achievements is total garbage. So it's but so I think it's like a very personal assessment in a way, but like a game that does cost that much that even though it has like great like think about the great graphics in the Force Awakens you're still not going to spend more than forty dollars tops on that Blu-ray release or something it'll probably be cheaper than that like so you get a cinematic experience that's longer although arguably it's hand animated in a way. And it's not as expensive as making a feature film. Maybe close, but I'm pretty sure Star Wars costs a lot more. And yet they're charging 80 bucks for a 10-hour game. Your value per dollar, if, 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 if you loved it, you might not be miffed. Because when you love something, you will spend, like that guy who spent $10,000 in Star Citizen, you'll spend that amount and not care. But as a casual gamer, picking up games to have reasonable experiences with it... Um, it can really blow. I think there is a line that you cross where it's like there's either not enough content, even though it's great stuff, it's too expensive, and the make work content, the get this achievement and do this, or 
I don't know, just these dumb, like, repeat really boring parts or play it on super insane mode. Like, not really content that speaks to a wider audience. So um, that that's how, sort of how I look at it. It's hard to just peg one answer, right? When, when you were talking, I was thinking about how time and money are of different value to different people. So you, you're talking about, like, how it really frustrated you that this campaign was eight hours. And I was thinking about it. How long would it take me to play an eight-hour campaign? I'm like, it would take me – the most I could sit down and play a game right now would be two hours. The most. So that means I can play – if I got the most time to play – then I would finish it in four sittings, right? Which is probably what the order is going to come to for me. Yeah. Um, so, so at, at which at which point, like, if I had a really satisfied experience, and I th- and I think of my friend Breck, who's a lawyer and, and trying to to balance time, and like, he asked me for a game to buy one point, and I'm like, I, I gave him some suggestions, but he ended up buying Skyrim, and I was like, why would you buy that? And and then then he played like. He he got to like the beginning village and then didn't play for a month and then came yeah. back and then got a little further and then didn't play for a month because he has no he has no time. So the value that he should the game he should be looking for is something that delivers the maximum value to him in the limited amount of time that that he has with it. Meanwhile, there's people that have no money, tons of time. Those people, like especially me, like I think of me as a kid, like I wanted games that would last as long as possible because I knew that I only got maybe one, two, two games a year. Whereas, whereas now, like I, I'm sitting on, I'm sitting on Bloodborne, Fallout Four, uh, I'm halfway through or whatever Metal Gear Solid, and and why did I pick up the order instead of picking up Bloodborne or picking up? Um, uh, Fallout is because I knew that it was of limited time and that I could I could enjoy it and have this experience. It was a break from Metal Gear. There was a break from anything else I'm playing, and it fit and it fit in my schedule. But when that game comes out, instead of appreciating it for what it is, pe- being like this game is like this is a short game with insane production values and insane graphics. Um, so like you know, just know just know that it gets docked or or given a reputation by the hardcore gaming community that just wants that has way too much time on their hands and doesn't know how to appreciate like as a chunk of quality because they just want a giant amount of content. You know, so yeah. I that that's my uh, that's my concern. The people who are loudest on this are the people that have a lot of time on their hands, whereas the people who are really really busy. Uh, and have this great game that can like fit a, a Friday night or a Saturday night. I mean, they don't get hurt because they've moved on to the next thing, even though this would fit their life cycle perfectly. You never see that in a review. This would be a great Saturday night rental, or this would be an amazing, you know, like uh, this. You will have a really good weekend with this game if you get it. You know, it's like no, this game, this game sucks because it's short. That is a good point, actually. Is that I don't think that some of the reviews speak to the needs of its different audiences. Like ev- like everybody assumes you're a no-life gamer, <laughs> you know, with all this kind of time on your hand and ranks it in that way. We're like, I guess if you work in the gaming industry doing reviews, you kind of are a no-life game. I mean, you spend your time writing about games or playing them. But like, you know, Joe Sixpack, who works 9 to 5 and does some family shit and has to work on the house and wants to play a game on a Saturday night or Saturday afternoon for three hours. Like, 
he's got to he's got to find someone that speaks to him to make an informed choice about exactly what you just said, which is actually I think I saw Breck not to out Breck too much, although he's probably not listening. He was playing Wolfenstein: The Last Order, which or yeah. The Which would probably order, be a good choice for him. First Blood, whatever that new one, that new yeah. awesome one is. I think we probably yeah. talked about it. Um, the New Order, yeah, great yeah. game, shortish campaign, but not too short. Definitely, I wasn't disappointed with my purchase. Um, it was a really good gaming experience, so I was like, oh, really happy for him that he's playing that because it's really good. <laughs> and it, and it probably fits. It probably fits his life cycle, uh, lifestyle a bit more. I I do agree partly with that. Like nerdy reviewers are gonna are gonna look for you know content, but there are all sorts of stats that say that people don't finish video games. And like now you can even uh, on PlayStation you can look at the trophies. And see what trophies you get uh, for completing the game and what percentage of the people playing this game have acquired that trophy. And when you look at a game like The Witcher 3, it's ridiculously low. It it made me so mad just seeing how few people actually finished the who, – who played the game, installed it and everything, finished the prologue. Um, you know, there's so – because the prologue of The Witcher 3 is probably close to the length of the entire order, you know. Uh, like I, – it, it's a fairly it's a fairly lengthy prologue for a fairly lengthy game, but yeah. at the same point, it's like it's like nobody's finishing games, and so you make a game that is completely finishable. And like if you're breaking it down dollar to dollar, like you just gave the Star Wars Blu-ray example. Let's say the order is eight hours, right? Let's just say it's an eight-hour campaign. You know, an eight-hour like if you're not going to find an eight-hour movie. Uh, so you're buying like maybe it's the equivalent to a season, a first season of one of those elite shows that's only like eight episodes or some shit. Yeah. So how much do they cost, right? Like I, I, I just feel like like even if you bought it at seventy bucks or whatever, and you knew what you were buying, you had tons of money, and you're like, I am buying this game that I know will be a graphical showpiece for my system, will be really entertaining to play through once, maybe twice if I played played it on normal um i i think that that those people would get a really good good showing out of it but instead like and it's not just the order like the order is what brought it to my mind but there's a lot lot i remember i i remember i think was it max Payne three there was some other game and that game was long too the, the the single player but people were like harping on oh it's so short or blah 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 well, because you could probably stomp through that on easy mode like not yes, that, it, it's not that it, long. You could stomp through it on easy, but and that's true. Like you could definitely make make these games seem short, but also like those games are. I saw a review for the order that said it was like a PS2 game in the in the um in the uh, the, the, the Xbox or the PS4 era, and like that was meant to be an insult, but really. It, it's funny because like that a type of game doesn't need to disappear and in the gears of war action adventures like where where you you don't have an open world where you go through like set levels with crazy set pieces and all that sort of stuff and and you're shooting dumb dudes and there are characters and it's heavily scripted and it's selling you on a story there's always going to be room for that and yeah the order could probably be better as a game too like it i'm i'm not saying that all the criticisms are unjust i'm just saying like 
the reputation it's left with is un, is is unfairly manufactured by a, a, a gaming community that values quantity for the sake of quantity, and that's what they that's what they value. It's like, oh, there's so many missions. Like in in Metal Gear Solid, you can go on all these little side missions that mean fucking nothing. It's like get another soldier, capture another guy. You're returning to the same areas. They've managed to generate content within content, and it's like. And and it loses it loses players. Like, okay, I think that there should be they should be looking at different price points for certain games. Like games like The Witcher, which is new com- new original scripted content, and just a ton of it should be a hundred bucks. It shouldn't be sixty bucks. You know, like anyway, they 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 if they may find money to make it that way. But comparing The Witcher three to The Order, yes, one is tremendously better value than the other. But, like, I mean, it doesn't mean the other one shouldn't exist. Yeah, well, you know, I think also what's pressuring the linear games that we've mentioned, like these campaign-style games, is the onslaught of free-to-play games that are out there that are not linear, that are just like Rocket League, which is not free-to-play, but basically free. It's kind of free-to-play. Like, there's no end to Rocket League, and that can take up all your gaming time. Like, you don't need... can. You don't need, like, I play Heroes, that's free-to-play. Hearthstone is free-to-play. Um, every Think of any MOBA, it's free-to-play. Um, think about all these MMO, Wildstar is free-to-play. Like, there are all these options for you to actually play games that, like, have no ending, that, like, also sink your time, that take consumers out of that market. And And so, like, if you look at it strictly from a, like you said, time is the resource for a lot of gamers, not the money part, then, like, I think people... Like, we even do a show about gaming. And, like, in an ideal world on this show, I like to try all the games and report all the games. As we do the show, realistically, I'm not going to play games just to talk about it on the show. I'm going to pursue the things I'm interested in. And sometimes you become a fan of a genre or a fan of certain gaming IPs or gaming styles. And you tend to stick to those. I mean, in my age now, that's like what I tend to, be, to do. We talked about The Witness. Oh, it's a great new gaming experience. Everyone's raving about it. You should try it. I'm like, yeah, it's puzzles. <laughs> you know, I'm like, maybe. But like, I bought Antichamber, and I think I own the Stanley Parable. Didn't lo- launch. Didn't even launch them. Downloaded them. Then like, well, make make room for other games and deleted them. I still like to play those freaking games. So like, I've become a very self policing consumer in that I've got to not only manage which games I play, which is kind of a different conversation. But also, what is appealing, actually, in the case of the order, like 1886, that's right here, (laughs) it actually sounds appealing, not because of a money issue or because of of, um, like, I just on principle don't like that it's short, but it's actually like, oh, this will be a sweet diversion that won't last long. Like, uh, you know, I have my games, I played Diablo for a few days, I have my diversion, I'm done. Except that game can go on forever, but... But and it, also playing it for a few, few days. Your your an analogy of Call of Duty Two. I know how you'd react to the order if you if you hadn't been properly prepared. You'd have played through it and been like, "I can't believe this is done." I was just getting into it. Man, this game is too short. I know. I know that would have been your gut. Especially games that are good. That's the issue. Is like when the game is actually good. The mechanics are fun. Everything's rewarding. In the case of Bonner Saga, like. And that's all I get? Like, I want to do more. Give me more. So hopefully the second volume, which is coming out soon, has more content than the first. But but, but see, yeah, and, and, and I think that, like, if you were talking about free-to-play, 
let's say the order was just now it cost a ton to make but let's say they released it for free and price is always taken into account when when talking about these things i guarantee you that game would have gotten at least eight across the board nobody would have been like it's too expensive or it's too short it's too short but it's free. It's not actually that short. It's just that it's too short for $70 is what people are saying. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's, that's why I find like price is intrinsically connected with this and the idea of getting value. And people, people are talking about it more. But I think as gamers get older and have more full lives and have like balancing issues and priorities, I think the way that games are reviewed – are going to have to change because like games, games like the order now are extremely interesting to me when I know I'll be able to play this game this weekend when I have some free time and get through it. That's a, that's a selling point for me. And maybe I don't want to pick it up full price. Maybe I want to pick it up less, but I'm going to pick it up at one point because I'm, I'm past the point of renting games, which is what I did. Uh, and you know, if there was a store, maybe I would have rented the order, but I got it for like ten dollars. And uh, at one point, like um, if there are more games like that that are releasing and can make money with the hardcores that are spending seventy, eighty bucks when they come out, then a bunch people halfway through the year at sixty bucks, and then maybe people at the year at ten, twenty bucks. Like I can wait, but I want those games to exist. So uh, I don't want every game to be a hundred hours. I don't even want every game to be twelve hours. The Last of Us is a twelve-hour campaign, single-player campaign, and it needed that campaign. It made sense. It wasn't full. It wasn't like fluff. But Max Payne Three, it was a fluff. At one point, it was just like they needed to have more levels of you killing more dudes, and it just made no sense, you know. Yeah. So. I think we've beaten this one pretty good, and I think that we're running long, so we should probably move to the next segment of this show, which is actually where we (laughs) cut through the chaff and we find the gold. It's inventory management. We answer the question, spend your cash or vendor trash. Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. All right, I'm going to go up first since uh, there's a lot of you had a lot of crofting. We make, did have make, a lot of crofting to make a good show. You got to have a bit of bow and a bit of crofting, bit of bow like a bow and crofting um, eclair. Um, so <laughs> you're the creamy filling. Uh, <laughs> so my recommendation this week is Metro 2033. I may have recommended this before. Disclaimer. So for the truly astute. You can call me out on it. Please write to us, exmpodcast at gmail.com. But um, I don't think I did. And certainly, this is a great game worthy of a second recommendation. was released a little while ago, made by a Russian developer based on a Russian um, science fiction novel. Uh, This game pays a lot of homage to the source material. At the same time, it is a very um, depressing, dark... uh, I guess alternate history, sort of science fiction world, 2033 is the future. But it really feels like it really captures that sense of mood and place. A bunch of, you know, Russians in Russia stuck in the subways because there's too much radiation out in the surface. So they become all cave dwellers and life is crappy. And guess what? There are mutants. And so you spend your time shooting mutants. But not only mutants, but things like the new... There's new Nazis. I don't think they're called neo-Nazis, but you know the Third Reich is a thing here, as well as, I think, a new form of communist, too. 
and just sort of neutral parties that are trying to survive and make it in the world. You get kind of caught up in the political tension of the thing. At the same time, there's like a, um, you know, you're, you you do end up being part of a, an elite squadron. I can't remember what they're called, but who are more interested in finding a solution and protecting from the mutant threat um, than these human quabbles over politics. All in all, an amazing, amazing game. I mean, I'd be surprised if you didn't own it and you listen to the show and you're into the kind of games we're into. But um, this game is super good. So Metro 2033, check it out on Steam or trailer. Uh, it's not expensive to get. They actually released a Redux version, which has improved the graphics engine of it. So I recommend you get the Redux version because... Um, it's sexy look, graphics. It's sexy graphics. Why wouldn't this game? This, speaking of games, like this game was a benchmark game for graphics cards for a really long time. Yeah. Um, this is, even this updated version is just amazing, and it has all that first-person stealth action that you might like if you like gear, games like Metal Gear Solid and Dishonored and things like that. So, um, go get it. Get it today. I would say that while it's got a longer campaign than than a lot of games, too, it it still fits into that like. The wolf, especially compared to Wolfenstein, like this, the idea of like it, it's um, you're playing it n- not for the online. You're playing, you're playing to have a solo campaign experience, soaked in atmosphere and all that sort of thing. And you can get through it, like you know, and it about the time you'd get through Bioshock or something like that, you know, like uh, probably twelve hours. I can, or something. I can actually give you the stats on this one because well, you probably um, played I had it multiple hours- times. No, I don't think so, actually. Well, like so, we, yeah. Oh, I did actually start a second run through that I didn't finish, so it would be it would be inaccurate. Oops. My recommendation for this week is a game of similar time period uh, in terms of creation. It's called L.A. Noir. A lot of you probably heard of it. It was a rock star game, but made by Team Bondi. Not without controversy. Um, the develop, lead developer, the the creator was uh, blamed for like overworking employees and and like just uh, uh just being a tyrant to work with and this sort of thing um the, that said the end product judged uh as a sort of its own thing i still think is is a flawed masterpiece um it's it's a type of game that is exists in an open world although probably didn't need to be in an open world but that open world provides flavor. Um, you're solving cases as a detective. Um, so if you like stuff like um, uh, what, what do you call those shows? Law and Order. It's similar. You and your partner show up. You investigate a scene. Uh, and uh, you learn more about it. You move to different desks. So there's like narcotics and all this. It's set in the 1940s, L.A. So the it's really like that L.A. confidential L.A. Uh, so very bright and sunny, but dark at the same time. So very, very good. Um, the the story kind of loses tra- track a little bit at the end, but it is it is a, a, a traditional noir story. None of the characters are too likable per se, um, and that can can rub certain people the right way, the wrong way if they're looking for like a white knight type hero. And finally, um, I'd say about uh, I'd say about. L.A. Noir that it's uh, you know it's a lengthy game and but it it's one that um that, that there are certain elements of the gameplay like the shooting that are uh, fun when they show up but 
but not like you can play the game for a long time and not fire a single bullet because you're interviewing perps, investigating crime scenes and this sort of thing. The last element is the the, the graphics still hold up very nice today. And one of the one of the things uh, that was noteworthy about them at the time was they did this face motion capture thing, which is crazy. When you see it, like you'll be like, I've never seen a game like this before. I thought games were going to be start using this in a much more common way afterwards because it, it's hard to explain but it looks like the the face of the characters are are the face of the actors and and they're moving uh, in in a similar like 3D space right. um but but it it's it's uh in a way it's it in a way it's like the most realistic facial graphics or facial animation that I've ever seen. And in another way, there's something slightly off-putting about it, but it allows you, there are certain scenes where you're interviewing people and you have to guess if they're lying. And part of it, you get to see their 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 facial reactions, which is not something that um, that you'd seen before in video games. I'm, I'm surprised that no game has stolen that technology and used it in other ways since. Maybe it's proprietary. Yeah, I don't know. no, that, they actually did a really great, like the Uncanny Valley thing is not experienced here. Like stylistically, they did it in a way that was, uh, the only Rockstar game in history for me that I've been as stoked for as seeing the, the spots for that game because of the facial tech and all the great, performances by actors in this like film slash game it la noir is incredible man and it's like dirt cheap like <laughs> you can get oh, it yeah, all the time for dirt so if you missed it like if anything you're better off having missed it and catching up now because they they did this thing where they released a bunch of bonus cases and if you bought it on playstation or you pre-ordered here or you pre-ordered there you got a different case or a different case and only now can you get like the game the year type editions that include everything and even i haven't like i've only played it through the one time but i actually own it in two different places i bought it on steam i also own it i played it the first time on playstation 3 i would totally recommend uh a playthrough of la noir but it's a, it's a time-consuming one and there are flaws that you'll have to look past Anyway, my recommendation, L.A. Noir Bose, Metro 2033. You can't go wrong there. Two good games. Um, speaking of things you can't go wrong with, you can't go wrong with more EXM. EXMpodcast.com is our website. You can find all our episodes there. We'd ask that you follow us on Twitter at EXMpodcast. And know when we're live streaming like we are now on twitch.tv slash EXMpodcast. Generally on Monday nights. Uh, you can also email us at exmpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your comments, ideas for conversation topics, the dialogue tree in particular. Always needs new leaves. Send them to at exmpodcast uh, at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash exmpodcast. Throw your likes at us. We would love them. And uh, finally, we have a sister show. It's called Good, Bad, or Bullshit, where Bo... Mike and I draw, uh, pick up a random topic. We discuss the hell out of it. It's good, bad, or bullshit. Um, and you can find all the episodes of that show at goodbadbull. Sorry, goodbadbull.com. Um, and finally, all this promotional stuff is leading to the main two products of this show. Uh, and I'm talking about Bo and I. We are individuals of an individual nature. Bo, if people want to find you on the internet, what would they do? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Bo Schwartz, where you can see what I am up to. So, podcasting thing, 
great JPEGs that I like to send out sometimes. You know <laughs> There's one up there right now. Go to go to Bo Schwartz and look for a JPEG uh, featuring Mr. Han Solo. And you can follow me at Croft and Steers. No fancy names here. Fancy Twitter handles. Just and our no real names. No fancy JPEGs. <laughs> no fancy JPEGs. And now, with all that housekeeping out of the way, we will move into the final segment of the show. The Master Game Theater Quote of the Week. It's now time for Master Game Theater. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> Crofton saw the JPEG. <laughs> it's so good. It's true. I did see it. It was quite funny, but you will never be able to pry out of me what it's about. You'll have to go to Bo's Twitter to see it yourself. So our Master Game Theater quote of the week, because I talk so much here at the end, Bo is going to do it. He's going to play the role uh, of of the scourge of my childhood, I'm talking about the shredder oh, of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, in particular from a video game, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Four: Turtles in Time. What does Shredder even sound like? Oh, it's been a while. He just he sounds like an evil man, Bo. He's Japanese, right? I mean, you can have like a face thing there. Yeah. He has always got a face sort of guard. Does this does this work a little better? Is this all right? All and right. this was probably this was live. There was a live voice actor who did this originally. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna do it. All right. So uh, thanks for for tuning in and enjoy the performance. Thank you, everybody. My patience is wearing a thin. I banish you to a time warp from which you will never return. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to let him into me. Oh, oh shit. That's awesome.